Uh, it's good to be back with you all, and uh, Happy New Year to you. Um, we're going to start the, a series on Philippians, which is probably the most appropriate book to start with after Christmas, where we've all just sung um, Joy to the, Lord, to the World, the Lord Has Come. And now we're going to look at the book of Philippians, which is all about joy and, and partnership. Um, but before we, we pack Christmas up, have you all packed Christmas up? Got the tinsel off and put it in boxes? The lights, wind them all up, shove them in the box? the star put away. How many of you have actually put your boxes back in the attic? Quite a few of you. And the tree, of course, no, no, we recycle the tree, don't we? So that's, we're green now. Before, before we, we pass over this, just to say Christmas is not something we do for a month and then shove up in the attic. I want us to uh, just look at a, a quote by a guy called Howard Thurman, who wrote a, a poem called The Mood of Christmas. So let's just read this together, shall we? He wrote this. When the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flock, the work of Christmas begins. To find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among people, to make music in the heart. We tend to compartmentalize everything, and, and so we've done Christmas, we now put it in a box, shove it up in the attic, that's it for the next 11 months. It's not. The work of Christmas begins now, and that is to share the good news of Jesus. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. And Philippians um, is a book of joy. It was, I think, Paul's favorite church. It's the only book where he, he doesn't write about sin. When he's writing to the Galatians, it's about legalism and, and rules. The Corinthians, it was licentiousness and, and greed and drunkenness. But with Philippians, he's speaking about joy and partnership in the gospel. The word Christ is mentioned 18 times in the first chapter because it's all about Jesus. And if anything we learn from Paul is, it, it's, it's all about Jesus. Um, Trish, I'm going to share this talk this morning. Uh, Trish is a far better preacher than me, so suffer me for 10 minutes. That things will get better then, okay? Um, but we've always, wherever possible, worked together in partnership. Um, we, we've ministered together in churches, led churches together. It, it's something we, we passionately believe in. That's partnership, working together. And as you read Philippians, you realize just how much Paul has that same feeling for the, for the church in Philippi. They were his co-workers. They were his partners in the gospel. And you here this morning are partners in the gospel just as the Philippian folks were. Okay, so I think it's very important. Trish and I, we, we spent nine years in Greece church planting and we visited Philippi. I want to show you what it's like today, okay? It's an archaeological site. That's all that's left. A few stones in the ground, a few stones still standing. There's nothing left. Uh, Philippi had lots of earthquakes. Greece, Greece has thousands of earthquakes and this is one of the places that suffered and the people left. 
and now it's just stones. And that apparently is where Paul was imprisoned in Philippi. That's not the same um, door that they used in his day. I think that's, that's a modern one, okay. But there's nothing left of the church. Go to Ephesus, book of Ephesians, same thing, just ruins. Corinth, same thing. They're just archaeological sites now. The church moved on, the people moved on, but the gospel stays the same. And the gospel is still the same today. And as Paul says, from the first day until now, you are partnering with me in the gospel. From the first day, the birth of Jesus, until now, we are partnering in the gospel of Jesus. He writes in verse 3, I thank God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Let me just write this. I've put a little challenge up for you. Um, the next slide just says this. Are you the kind of person that your leaders thank God for? Are you the kind of people that Sean, Katie, and the rest of us thank God for? Can I say you are? Because you partner with us in the gospel. Always meant to, always meant to be part of it. You know, when, when Paul went to Philippi, he, he didn't intend to go there. He was um, trying to, to pioneer a path into Asia, Asia Minor, and the Holy Spirit forbade him, couldn't get there. And he's wondering what to do. Then he has a dream one night of a man saying, come to Macedonia and help. And I love what it says in Acts chapter 16. Um, he has this dream, this man urging him, saying, come over to Macedonia, that's northern Greece, and help us. Now, when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. I love it. Just, oh, I think that's where he wants us. But it wasn't where he wanted to go. God changes his direction. Uh, and I just sense for some people here today, God wants to change your direction. I think there's a change coming for one or two of you. It's going to change your direction, your ministry, your, your serving. I, I just sense that as I was preparing this word, and, and God will change direction. Paul was in prison when he wrote this letter. Um, he'd spent 20 to 30 years sharing the gospel, traveling around his, his various uh, ministry tours, and a lot of it wasn't easy. He got beaten up, he got imprisoned, he got whipped. It was not easy. He suffered health-wise. And then he writes this letter to the Philippian church, to his first church. While, while he was there, he, he met Lydia, um, and led her to the Lord, led her to understand she was a God-fearing woman. And her meeting him and listening to him changed her course of life. And that, that, that's where it is in just outside of Philippi. They've actually, um, the Greek Orthodox Church, changed the path of the river so that people could sit and, and look and, and meditate on, on where Lydia would have met Paul. Isn't it interesting that first woman to start a church was Lydia. First church in Europe started by a woman after meeting with Paul. 
there's role for everybody in, in the church today. And we're meant to work together. I wonder what Paul felt in prison. 20 to 30 years of serving and sharing. And I want to say this, it's all right to be tired in the work. I'm getting on a bit now and, you know, my, my, I'm not as fit and health as I used to be. You know, I, I take longer to do things. You get tired and that's okay. It's okay to be tired in the work, but it's not okay to be tired of the work. It's okay to be tired in the work, but not of the work. And if some of you feel tired of, of, of Christianity, then just stop and, and let God minister to you. It's okay to be tired in the work, but not tired of the work. And Paul was tired, but he wasn't tired of the work. His love for the Philippian church shines through. It, it's where his heart beat. It's the place that he loved. And what we really love about Paul is he hardly ever traveled alone. We think of Paul as this great missionary traveling out. Do you know he rarely traveled on his own? Most of the time he traveled in team. And if you read his letters, make a note of all the people he mentions by name. There's over 80 people he mentions in his letters. Some traveled with him, some established the work with him where he was, over 80 people. And a quarter of them were women sharing the work with him. And this is what he called them. He called them his brothers, his sisters, his relatives, his beloved, his fellow workers, his dear friends. They were tested and approved. Women who work hard in the Lord, faithful servants, fellow prisoners, faithful ministers, fellow servants. What do you want to be called today? What do you think you should be called for partnering in the gospel with us? Because we are all in this together. From the first day until now. Every saint, and by the way, that is your official title. You are a saint. When you came to faith, you're a saint. Every saint is a participator in the gospel, not a spectator. You are all participators in the work alongside of Paul. And I'm sorry if the way the church has made it, you, you think it's the professionals, those who get paid, they do the work. That's not how it's meant to be. Paul learned to work and travel in team and to invest in people. Look at his investment in Timothy as he developed and, and encouraged that young man. Do you know, in, in, one, in one of his letters to Timothy, he's basically getting fed up with Timothy. Timothy was, was often quite sick and ill and, and complaining about his stomach. And Paul says, oh, for goodness sake, just take some wine for your stomach and get on with the work. Because wine was seen as, as a medicine in those days. He was saying, come on, man, forget about the pain, get on with the work. And sometimes I think we we find lots of excuses not to get on with the work. He, Paul fell out with his early partners. He had to learn to develop and grow team. He fell out with Barnabas and John Mark, and they went separate ways. They were reunited later, thankfully. But he relied on his partners to get the work done. He knew he couldn't do it on his own. 
He knew that some stayed there and developed the church like Lydia. Others traveled with him and carried his message across. And a quarter of the people he mentions are women, from Phoebe, Priscilla, Trifina, Mary, Junia, Persis, Julia, Eodia, Sintitia, Nympha, Louis, Eunice, Claudia. There were women in his team. He, 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 he didn't care. He wanted people to share in the gospel. And what he learned was he reproduced who he was. His passion and his desire to get the word out infected those people around him. And in life, you reproduce who you are. As you see the children, they're just copying what their parents do. <laughs> Thanks, Dad, about illustration. You will reproduce who you are. And if you're excited and passionate about the gospel, you'll reproduce people who are passionate and excited for the gospel. Trish. Thanks. Well, good morning. So when Malcolm told me he was coming back to speak to you, um, and the last time he spoke to you, he brought a big stick. I thought, oh dear, I wonder what he's going to do this time around. So I thought I'd better come along and check up on him, you know, make sure it's all going to be okay. And uh, as Mark says, you know, we're ministering today from Philippians. We had Philippians 2 as our big reading when we got married 40 years ago this year. <laughs> really? Thank you. I'll take a bow now. <laughs> so Mark can sit here and watch me for the next 10 minutes and on his adoring wife. Um, but yeah, so um, Philippians is a beautiful letter that Paul wrote because he wrote with them with affection and with joy. And, you know, he was remembering when he was in prison. You know, sometimes when we get through dark times and tough times, it's good to remember historical references and points in God when you know he's done some amazing things for you. Because as you go to recall the good things, not that you want to not think about the bad stuff because bad stuff does happen to us all. But you know, I will remember what he has done. And as you recall, the psalmist often told you to recall what God would do. And as you remember and as you recall, suddenly your perspective changes and your heart becomes more filled with gratitude and with joy. And Paul was doing this in prison. He was remembering his, the people that brought him joy and it was the Philippian church. And he wrote to him saying, I remember this and this is what I'm praying for you now. Got a good friend called Alan Hall. He's an amazing Bible teacher. And he wrote this quote, Paul believed every saint was a personal masterpiece in the making. How lovely is that? We're all masterpieces in the making. You know, one of the toughest things Malcolm and I ever had to do was leave Greece, um, not just because of the beautiful blue sky and the sun and the sea, we won't talk about that, uh, but because we had planted a church there. We'd started it in our home. God sent us to Greece, no doubt about it, in 2013. And we just, we learned Greek. We tried to learn Greek anyway, let's put it that way. Um, but we just incarnate amongst the people. And we loved people. And we slowly but surely got to speak to each and um, different people and, and lead them to Jesus. Uh, and it was hard work because it's a, a strongly orthodox uh, country. And a lot of the Greeks uh, orthodox will tell their people that anything outside the orthodox church is a cult. So we had our, you know, backs against the wall quite often. But slowly but surely, we uh, took the coffees, we took the time, 
and we led people to Jesus. And this picture is one of the things, when I think about our work in Greece, even though it's sad that we had to leave COVID, Brexit, so many things were against us. So yes, we left. Uh, Praise God he brought us here and praise God he got Malcolm planted into St. Andrews because that was definitely a God thing. But when we think back about our time in Greece, this is what brings us joy. The the people we baptized in the sea, the people that we led to Christ, the people that when we prayed with them, we saw God heal them. The broken people up in the refugee camps, the Afghans, the Iranians, the Syrians, who we just were the first Christians sometimes they'd ever met. And they'd look at you and go, why are you doing this? And we would give the opportunity then to explain why we were doing what we were doing. What an honor, but what a joy. There was nothing more joyful for Malcolm and I when sometimes our lot would come back on the Sunday and say, this week in my bank, somebody asked me a question and I was able to share Jesus with them and pray with them. That's our joy. Because we were doing something which is far bigger and far greater than what we were trying to do from in our own strength. We were delighted when we saw people get changed from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, when we saw broken lives being put back together in Jesus. That was our joy. You know, many of the New Testament writers, including Paul, they refer to the fiery trials and the, and the joy that endures. The minute I hear fiery, fiery trials, I think, oh no, not, not fiery trials again, Lord, please. But you know, it's in those moments, it's in those places where you will find and prove God and you will grow more ever than you would on a mountaintop. You know, I'm sure you know there's a difference between joy and happiness. The world talks a lot about happiness, but we're not talking about happiness this morning. We're talking about a joy, a God glory strength that endures. That's the kind of joy we're talking about. That doesn't mean you go skipping down the, the street every two minutes because you're joyful. Yeah, great when you're like that, but there's a joy in you deep inside. Happiness comes and goes, but joy remains. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It says that Jesus was anointed with joy above his fellows. The same joy said that the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. The psalmist says that weeping may last a night time, but joy comes in the morning. So it's not separate from the troubles that you have, joy endures. It endures. It's not just happiness. It's much deeper. Many years ago, um, I, I mean, I'm still a musician now, but many years ago, I was full-time and I was producing songs and albums and writing songs and all that kind of stuff. And uh, somebody came up to me and asked me, would I be involved in a project, which was utterly amazing, because it was of a group of, refu- uh, of aid workers that had been arrested by the Taliban and put in prison in Afghanistan. Mullah Omar had said that they would be held as hostages, and as they were held as hostages, they'd been in the country for 25 years, loving the people, uh, you know, giving them aid and bread and goodness knows what else, but on this occasion, they were rounded up and put in prison and accused of proselytizing, of course. And um, so they put them in prison, and this was just about before 911 happened, so it was part of the plan to have some leverage with America. So they put them in prison. They took them from place to place. Sometimes they were just held in containers, filthy conditions. And when they did get put into some of the prisons, particularly the men, they were interrogated. And, you know, sometimes they, they spoke about the, the screams that came sometimes from the different cells of what was going on. And they were in that situation. 
and um, a couple of the women were, who were German, uh, they were somehow in that awful scenario, but they said and that there was this incredible peace, but joy that started to come to them. You know, just like Paul and Silas were in prison, singing the top 10 Hebrew songs of the time, and they got busted out. It's just like these guys. They found a place of joy in their time of real tragedy and fear. And uh, miraculously, they were sprung out by a few months. After 9-11, they got rescued in this most incredible moment in time. There's a book about it. There was um, all sorts of things written about it. This was from 2011 onwards. And I got asked to, to put a CD together, a worship CD, because when they came out, the songs that they'd written in prison, a cappella, uh, put onto a cassette tape and just sent to me saying, could you make some sense of this? And I thought, oh my goodness, right? So we put these songs together. But you know, not one of those songs on the album was, oh, poor me, Jesus. Why did you put me in here? You know, none of it was like that. It was God is you've, you've designed this beautiful place for me and you've rescued me unharmed and I am grateful and I will sing to you songs of joy in the night. Now, look, we won't all go to prison. Thank you, Jesus. Hopefully not many of us anyway. But, you know, for, at, at the end of the day, it's, it's in those moments of hardship when everything's been taken away and the things are put against you, where it says, what's in you comes out. What's in you comes out. What kind of sound are you making this morning? Is it a joyful one? You know, you don't have to understand everything God's doing in your lives, but you do have to say, God, give me that joy. Give me that sense of, yes, Lord, you are good and you are great. You know, this year at the beginning of the end of last year and beginning of this year, I didn't want to send out a blanket Happy New Year to my friends. I wanted my blessing and, and thoughts and wishes to go to each friend that said, look, this is what I'm praying for you this year. Not just Happy New Year, but look, for you, where I know that you've been struggling and you've had some difficulty, this is my prayer for you. And this is what I'm praying, a blessing over your life. Truly, those people that were in prison, that came out, the aid workers, Paul and Silas of old, were people that knew how to praise him in all of those situations. And they knew about a joy that endured. This month in St. Andrews, we're going to introduce a new song. And in a short while during communion, we're going to be playing this. So subliminally, you're going to be hearing it too. But it's a song called Bless God. And I just want to read you a couple of the lines of this song. It says this, bless God in the sanctuary, bless God in the fields of plenty, bless God in the darkest valley, every chance I'll get, I'll bless your name. Bless God when my hands are empty, bless God with the praise that costs me, every chance I get, I'll bless your name. Paul told the Philippian church that they had a special place in his heart. And Malcolm and I want to see you the whole time that we're here in this area of Holy Trinity and St. Andrews and the other churches. We really do want to see a blessing of God being poured out into each and every church. And this is our prayer for you this morning, that you are partakers of grace, that your love will overflow, you'll grow in knowledge and discernment that you will learn to love appropriately, using your heads, not getting sentimental with all that gushy love, but you would love well. And if Malcolm and I could say anything as a blessing upon you this morning, here in Holy Trinity, it's all of that, but that you would love well. Bless you. Thank you. <laughs>